Hello there, I'm Patrick Stroh, Trusted Authority on Executive and Transactional Liability and President of Rubicon M&A Insurance Services. Now, a proud member of the Liberty Company Insurance Broker Network. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today, I'm joined by Marty Feinke, partner at Westbound Road, LLC. Based in Kansas City, Westbound Road focuses on providing lower middle market owners and founders advice and support for growth, job creation, and returning exponential value to stakeholders through innovative growth and investment strategies. Marty, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, I, I, and you're a veteran of, of, the, of this uh, channel out here with podcasting, so I, I'm just thrilled to have you as well. I now, love doing podcasts. I love teaching and training and, and informing and helping others to be inspired. So I appreciate you giving me a platform to do that. So before we get into Westbound Road, let's let's paint the picture real quick. Let's talk about you. What led you to this point in your career? Ah, so, so um, I had my first mergers and acquisition transaction long before I knew what mergers and acquisition was. Uh, when I was in my uh, late 20s, I started a business with a couple of friends and we had a, a great deal of success very quickly. And uh, we, somebody came along, we were in business about 18 months and somebody came along and said, you got a great business here. We'd love to buy it from you. And we said, okay. Uh, we had no idea, you know, what we, what we were doing. Um, we, uh, they, they offered us a little more than a million dollars for the business. And we thought that was all the money in the world at the time. So we, we sold the business. And I thought that uh, uh, buying and selling businesses must be pretty simple because that only took us like, you know, a month. And, you know, so we learned some things from that or I learned some things later on, but I didn't learn them at the time. Fast forward a couple of years and I was working for a company that was uh, PE backed and uh, we were on a pretty, pretty aggressive growth strategy. And uh, but we were primarily growing organically. And we were having some major successes organically from marketing and things like that. Uh, I was having some difficulties with a particular company that was uh, both a competitor and a vendor. So a very interesting situation. And I was in the CEO's office and I'm just complaining about, you know, these guys are doing this and they're doing that. And they're actually like running circles around my team and they're selling our own product at 10% less than we're selling it. And so they're siphoning off our customers. And I'm just kind of ran and he goes, well, why don't you go buy them? And I, I said, what? And he goes, why don't you go buy them? If they're that good, let's go that? buy them. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, okay. So I had had some conversations with the the, the founder of that company a couple of times, mostly adversarial. Uh, but wow. when I called him up and said, hey, uh, would you be interested in selling your business? He's like, to you? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, yeah, sure. So wow. uh, through, uh, you know, did the due diligence process, made an offer, uh, bought the business. Uh, we wound up we wound up growing that division from a million and a half in revenue per year to thirty million in revenue per year in three wow. years. Oh my gosh! And, um, and that was uh, and, and that was my first kind of real taste of of real M and A. Yeah. That was that was almost twenty years ago. Um, we subsequently went on to to purchase about three hundred million dollars uh, more in businesses over the next few years. And uh, that's when I really got excited about it and really understanding that uh, the, the power of scaling a business through M&A and not just organically, 
mm-hmm. um, and the power of an entrepreneur starting a business from their their actually in this particular business it was the quintessential dorm room business. Um, this this guy and his friend had started this business in their college dorm room, and it had grown into where they'd lease some space. And then here I come along and offer you know a couple million dollars for the business, and um, you know they were only twenty. I think they were 24, 23, 24 years old at the time. Here's the really cool thing about the, that is that he, so he wound up working for me because I bought his company. Um, he, um, he then, we both then left the, the firm that we had helped grow. He started a company and I went to work for him for a little while. And we helped with an, an exit of a $300 million exit of a, of a large CPG firm. Wow. And then um, he went off and uh, he and I went off separate ways and did, did different things. And then he went and started another company and he sold it to Adobe for $560 million. So his very first exit was a pretty small exit in comparison. And that was when I bought him. And then we were together on an exit. And then he, he went on and did a, a massive exit on a, on a really cool company. Um, and it's been really fun to watch his career progress from literally a kid who was just out of his dorm room to, um, you know, a, a $560 million exit. So that, that nonstop innovation is just breathtaking. You think you get a big liquidity event, you just run off to find some island somewhere and sit there and, and just those creative juices keep going. And one of the oh, great things, yeah, one of the great things about what you just said, it underscores my philosophy of mergers and acquisitions because most people out there, when they think mergers and acquisitions, they think about Amazon buying Whole Foods. And right. so it is not company A buying company B. It is a person or a group of people choosing to partner with another group of people. And together, you know, one plus one equals five or more. And, and you just personify exactly your backstories exactly there. Now, as we switch over to Westbound Road, I mean, you didn't name this funky advisory or funky services. So, how you know, in talking about Westbound Road and what you do there, how'd you come up with the name? You know, it's, it's funny. Nobody's ever asked me that on a podcast. So that's a really cool question. And there's actually a couple of, there's a lot of thought into it and a couple of reasons why. So first of all, um, it's inspired by a Bob Seger song, Roll Me Away. And uh, okay. the opening the opening line of the song is, took a look down a westbound road. I was tired of my own voice. So I'm a big uh, motorcycle um, uh, aficionado. I ride a motorcycle. There's a picture of my, where's my picture of my bike right there. Um, and, um, and so I'm, you know, Bob Seger fan, it's all about riding your motorcycle. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's, uh, that song is written about a, a real life trip that he took from his home in, in Michigan to, uh, out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And, uh, and it's, and it's really reflective of a, of a time. And so I'm, uh, I own properties in, in, in a couple of different states, but I'm in the process of consolidating uh, everything and uh, buying a big place in Wyoming. And that's eventually where I want to retire. So it's kind of pointing towards Wyoming. Okay. Um, but also um, the concept of going West is always, uh, it, it's kind of the American spirit, right? There's opportunity in the West. When, when you think about uh, you think about the, the, the land of opportunity, you think about going forth and going forward, right? You always think about, going west. And I live here in Kansas City now, uh, not not far from here is is uh, St. Louis, which at one time was called the gateway to the yes. west. The yes. arch is, is is called the gateway arch because that was that was the the different the the the, the boundary between the civilization and the and the wild frontier back wild in the early days. Yes. So so there's a lot of thought that went into it. And why it doesn't have my name is because 
One of the problems I see, especially with lower middle market businesses and smaller entrepreneurial businesses is they're businesses where the owner is so involved in the business that it makes it very difficult to sell because you hand it out and basically somebody's just buying a job. And so the best kind of businesses of small businesses are business to sell and, 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 and do Merchant acquisition deals with are businesses where the owner is not involved daily. And oftentimes you can tell a business that's like that because the owner's name is on the front of it. It's it's them, right? And without them, the business may struggle. So I built Westbound Road or or, or started Westbound Road intentionally to eventually leave that as a legacy business. And I won't always be here to, to, to own and operate. I hope I'll always have the influence and in, in, that will always exist in, in helping um, businesses acquire and, and be acquired, but it doesn't have to be me running it. And so I didn't want my own personal name on it because someday I want it to be bigger than me and last longer than me. Well, great. Well, now, before we get into the size and ideal client profile and things like that, let's talk, talk about what Westbound Road provides. What are you delivering and offering to members of, members of the lower middle market first. And then second, why lower middle market? Because you've been doing this for a while. There are a lot of PE firms that started there too, and they've grown and their appetite has grown. You haven't done- You okay that. if I answer those questions in the reverse order? Yourself. I think that's great, please. Okay, so why lower middle market? Okay, so, uh, you know, 1999, I was working for a big, a big company. We had grown- uh, very substantially, we grew from from zero, uh, literally zero in, in 1996. And in three years, we had grown that to a $300 million company. Um, it was it was one of the most meteoric, fastest tracks I've ever been on it from a startup standpoint. Um, but um, after a couple of years, I realized that I don't like working with big companies. I love entrepreneurial businesses. And so I started. Uh, I started a business, uh, primarily providing consulting services to entrepreneurial businesses, and I just love working with entrepreneurs. I've worked with thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs, everything, everything from inventors who've come up with a great product that we've put on QVC to people who've come up with a great business idea and turned it into a business, et cetera. The passion, the fire, the the devotion, the live, eat, sleep, drink your business passion of an entrepreneur is what I thrive on. And so I have served that market for, for over 20 years from a, from a business growth standpoint, primarily, which was the core, the core element of my business for for, for most of the time. When I decided to turn my attention and focus more on M&A and and overall growth strategies versus just marketing strategies, I knew that I wanted to serve that same market. Entrepreneurs are often underserved in in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways they're really underserved is with uh, with exiting their business and mergers and acquisitions. Like we said, people think of big things, right? Elon Musk buying Twitter and things like that. But I've seen time and time again where an entrepreneur has built something of great value. And then when it comes time to retire, they thought their kids were going to take it and they find out their kids don't want it. And, and then, and they don't, it's, it's shocking to me how many of them just turn off the lights and walk away. And yet they've built something that has value. And so why don't we extract the value from that and let somebody else carry it on into the future? And, you know, I think the statistics is, is, is like 80% of businesses just go out of business, right? Even if they're successful and profitable, they just turn off the switch and walk away. Why is that? And so I really want it to serve 
um, entrepreneurs and lower middle market businesses that, that have that fire so that it helped them all the way through the process from growing their businesses uh, and then exiting their businesses in a way that, that helps them be as successful as possible. So that's, so that's yeah. the why. Yeah, well, that's that's the compelling reason why, you know, I'm so excited to have you here, because I've been in a lot of other previous episodes been talking about how for the lower middle market, if they don't know any better because they're too busy working their craft, not seeing what's what options are out there. A lot of times they just default to an institution or to a competitor, you know, strategic acquirer who may not have their best interests in, in mind. And I come talking to you and the reality is there are a lot of owners and founders that literally just turn off the lights and walk away. And, and, and what a shame. I mean, just all that work. And it was like, instead of a legacy, that was a paycheck. Now I'm moving on to the next chapter of my yeah. life. So this is why, you know, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Now let's talk about some of the services. What are you doing out, out here for these people, because you've got some real distinctive value as that you provide. Yeah. So thank you. Well, well, first of all, we are, uh, we are not to be confused with business brokers. So business brokers, um, you know, Joe entrepreneur has a business as I want to sell it. A business broker goes out and puts it up on biz buy sell and, you know, collects a commission. Um, we are advisors and um, and we are much more strategic. So a um, couple of differences. Uh, number one, we get involved very early in the state and, and the earlier, the better. So we often are involved in a, in a potential business exit years before the actual exit. Why? Mm-hmm. Because we've through, through doing, you know, interviews with, with, with podcasts such as yours and magazine articles and that we've, we've reached out to them and said, look, if you're thinking about exiting your business, the time to be thinking about it is three years before you're ready, not three days. Because if, if you're if you just decide to sell your business and you put on, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen, and you may not have done the right things to prepare it for exit. So we work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are planning their exits in 23, 24, and even 25 and beyond. And so we're advising, we're making sure, okay, how do you build this business so that it's going to have the highest enterprise value? You know, what does that look like? And making the decisions from the end in mind, right? What's the outcome? Who, who do we want to sell this business to three years from now? Is it a PE firm? Is it, you know, is it a, is it a strategic acquirer? Is it a large, you know, multinational? Like, who is it that we want to buy this business? And what do we do to make it most attractive to them and the time frame you're thinking about? So we're getting way early into the, into the process as early as possible. And we're providing that strategic advice and counsel to, to our clients so that they're, they're equipped. That's on the sell side. Side. On the buy side, we're working with clients and helping them grow through acquisition. So a lot of entrepreneurs, if you want to, if, if you're doing a million dollars a year and, uh, and, and you, next year you want to do $2 million, every entrepreneur out there says, how do I do that? What's the one thing they all say that they're going to do to get from $1 million or $2 million? What's the, what's the most logical conclusion? Double sales. Double sales. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, always wor- I'm always worried when I, when I ask that question because I'm not sure everybody's going to know the answer. That's right. The only way to grow your business is to increase sales. Wrong. Mm-hmm. You can overnight double your, your, double your revenues by acquiring another million-dollar business. And here's the problem. Yeah. If you're a million dollar business owner and you think I want to acquire another million dollar business, you think you need a million dollars to go acquire it. Wrong answer. But most people don't know that. Most entrepreneurs and business owners have no idea about this. Yeah. So um, we we can help that business owner 
who's doing a million dollars a year, turn it into a $5 million a year business very, very quickly. And oftentimes for zero cost, because we have ways of finding money for them that, that you know, tapping existing uh, um, resources, inventory, things like that. You know, the SBA, um, uh, you know, it's a little known, little known fact. A lot of people don't know this. So you can actually use an SBA 7A loan to go uh, and acquire, if you're acquiring a business that's in the exact same SIC code, that is an expansion loan. It's not an acquisition loan. You don't oh, have no. to put a down payment down. So if I'm a million dollar business and I want to go buy another million dollar business, I can literally do that for not one penny out of my own pocket. Wow. Why wouldn't I? So that's just one of the many. So we help businesses grow through acquisition. We help uh, businesses who want to exit. So we're very much on the on the advisory and strategic standpoint. We also something that, that sets us apart is we do a lot of um, partial uh, partial acquisitions or uh, strategic acquisitions where it's not the full business. So um, I just was working with a client today. So um, we helped them sell thirty percent of their business. It was an agency. We helped them sell thirty percent of their business to a larger uh, a larger agency who didn't have a service that they wanted. So okay. that agency is now funneling all of this white label service down. And now this the smaller agency is now tripled in size. Okay, so the owner sold it, sold 30% of it, took cash off the table, mm -hmm. partnered with a strategic buyer, has grown the business substantially, and now they're looking at selling the rest of the business for a substantially higher multiple and they're, they're double dipping. So we're helping with that. So you don't always, when you sell a business, it doesn't mean you always have to sell the entire business. Sometimes that means you're selling part of it and you have an opportunity to, to double dip or triple dip uh, through different ways. So we're helping and advising on, on, on all of that sort of thing. Well, I can imagine also when, when you're in this low, lower, almost micro market level, you don't have all the big SEC compliance issues and regulatory issues in there. So you've got a little more autonomy and more options that you can deliver. It's just everybody at that level, unless they're coming to you, has to do it themselves. Right. And, and that's, a, that's a real challenge. Right. Yeah. And it can be, it can be tricky. Um, yeah. You're dealing with companies that aren't public. They aren't, you know, they aren't generally, they're usually, you know, private Privately held, mm -hmm. generally LLCs, sometimes S corps, with you know, with just very few uh, ownership in their in their um, in their cap table, and so um, yeah, you got to be you got to be creative. But it's it's just a like I said, it's a, it's people don't think about this stuff, and I just like turning the light on. You know, I, I love having this conversation with a with an owner of a of a lower middle market business and kind of showing, and they, all of a sudden they just go. Well, duh, like I, it'd be a lot easier to buy a million dollar cash flow than to go double sale, right? And so, and then as soon as they understand it, you know, they're, they're like, how do we, how do we get started? We're like, let's go. So, and you already preempted me because I usually ask this question off script, but it's just when, when a professional like you comes in, you're looking at things from a different viewpoint. You know, have you experienced those light bulb moments with your client where you can do that? I didn't know that could happen. And I mean, you, you've just done that. And those are the types of things. It's, as, as you and I talked, I hate to steal your thunder, but you're creating money out of thin air. Well, that's, thank you. Yeah. And that, and that is, um, it, that is a superpower that I have, I've been uh, told I have many times. I have, I have literally, uh, I, I can look at just about any business and figure out how to help it grow or how to, how to create cash flow. Um, whether it's through marketing, whether it's through M&A, growth by acquisition, et cetera, uh, strategic investment, you name it. And uh, that's one of the things that's just, that's my passion. That's what I wake up 
every day just excited to see what what comes next because I love the creativity of putting deals together, putting ideas together, and making making things happen for my clients. Right. I'm one of the I'm one of the lucky lucky that gets to you know I love my job I, I I've always loved my job and I I've you know I've never been in a place where I oh, I hate my job and I don't I I man I bound out of bed every day just excited to do what I do. Well, you got the creative juices flowing, and I, that always gives you you know that joie de vivre going. So excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now, for all these great services, give me a profile. What's who's your ideal client, both buy side and sell side? Oh, that's yeah, great. Thank you. So on the on the sales side, if you're looking to sell your business, our ideal client is going to be somebody who is. Uh, um, we we don't do a lot of bricks and mortar, so we're not we're not looking for the the dry cleaners, restaurants, things like that. that those are those are for the Main local street. business no. brokers. Yeah. So we primarily focus on digital, virtual, and and, and product based businesses. So okay. digital and virtual would be e commerce businesses, um, SaaS um, agencies, D 2 C businesses. And things like that. And then on the product side, we do so meaning, you know, a business is kind of like singular product focus or they have a product line. We do a lot of CPG, consumer packaged goods, um, some food and beverage and a lot of health and beauty um, and, 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 and things like that. So. Um, so if you are an inventor that's come up with something great and you're selling really well on Amazon um, and, and you've got, and this happens a lot, you've got some great idea and it, and it starts selling well and suddenly you have a business um, and then you realize I'm not a business person, I'm an inventor, right? And so I need, I need to move this off of my plate so I can go invent some more things, which is very common. Now, those are the kind of things we'll, we'll get involved in. But like I said, we don't really do gas stations and restaurants and Understood. you know uh, beauty salons, things like that. Um, um, we do work globally. So we have businesses that transactions all over the globe. We've got businesses right now we're doing in the UK. We've got Germany, France, the Ukraine, uh, which has been an interesting Ooh, one. Yeah. Um, luckily it's the, luckily the, the owners had the foresight to incorporate and headquarter their business in the United States, but they're all in Ukraine operating oh, wow. it. So that's, that's been a tough one. Oh, my um, and buyers and sellers. So from a, from a seller standpoint, um, that's, that's kind of who we look for, um, on the buy, uh, on the growth for acquisition standpoint, we're a little more, a little more, um, uh, open-minded because, uh, again, it's gotta be something that has, has growth opportunities, but, but we work with a lot of different clients. So we, you know, we've got, um, interior design firms, we've got a big, uh, Airbnb based business. That's, you know, that, that's, that's in that, that that's the area that we're working with. Um, and then we have obviously the, the the same clients that I mentioned on the sell side, e-commerce businesses, agencies, digital businesses, things like that. So, uh, so on the growth through acquisition side, um, we're a little more flexible because there's there's ways we can. I, I don't want to go out and sell a gas station or whatever, but I you know I can help somebody that owns a business like that grow. Well, I, um, I think the, I think the buyers are more prepared now with their platform. Right. Yeah. They, if they have a platform business, then it's a lot easier for us to, to help them grow that platform substantially. Right. So well, one of the things that's happened with mergers and acquisitions and how things have actually accelerated over the years is that there are two issues that are coming out, you know, both the, the sharing of information, professionals like you that are helping. And then also the insurance industry has come in to help remove a lot of the risks that would otherwise sidetrack a lot of deals. And remember, you've got owners and founders they're dealing with their own money or their own future. And so there's going to be, you know, those two elements of fear and greed that can conspire to sidetrack side things. Now, yeah. the insurance industry came in with a way to ensure mergers and acquisitions transactions called reps and warranties insurance. And it essentially 
takes the indemnity obligation away from the seller and brings it to an insurance company. So there's a breach of the seller reps and the buyer suffers financially. Buyer knows that they have a recourse and they've got a remedy and they know exactly where to go. Seller gets a clean exit. And so it's been moving very well. Now, reps and warranties was reserved for nine and 10 figure deals only. Okay, you had to be north of $100 million enterprise value to qualify. Over the last four years, that eligibility threshold has come down, but it's only come down to about 20 million at the bottom, maybe 15 for an exception. And you've been involved in a lot of good sized deals, Marty. Good, bad, or indifferent. What's your experience been with rep and warranty? So um, obviously, I have I have done some big deals uh, in in the past. I, I, that's not my focus anymore, but um, I've been involved mostly on the the buy side. Mm-hmm. You know, when we when we've been PE backed and we've done a lot of big acquisitions, and um, we've had um, obviously we've had those those types of insurance policies available and and, and have utilized them. One of the reasons I'm really excited to be talking with you today is because. I learned about your your transaction liability uh, program, which is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'm so excited about it. So going way back in my history, way, way, way back, I used to be a real estate agent. And um, I was I was eventually I was one of the top real estate agents in my entire state. Uh, and um, um, I loved I loved, you know, helping people get into homes and, and, and sell their homes and achieve their dreams that way and all that good stuff. One of the things that I had as a mandatory piece of any transaction I did was I always required my sellers to provide a home warranty, which covered you know the furnace and the plumbing and electrical and you know all, all the things in the home uh, uh, for uh, for the buyer. And I would just when I would do the net um, the the sheet and net that out, I would just include it. I wouldn't even give them an option. I'd say yeah. this is this is how much it is, and you know, and this is your bottom line. And after all your fees, this is what you're going to have in your pocket. And they go, okay, sounds good. And 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 I never it was never an argument because I'd already built it into the price. And why did I do that? Because I learned early on that things can and will go wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you're a homeowner, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, it's probably one of the biggest transactions, if not the biggest transaction financially you'll ever have in your entire life. And there is a lot at risk. And so I had some problems. I had some deals go, you know, after the close, I had buyers that, you know, Hey, turns out this is a problem and it's going to cost $30,000. And the, of course the seller has already gone and spent all the money and, and it's a, it's a huge problem. So I just said, I won't even do a deal without a warranty, period. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I never had a single problem since. Now, um, as, as far as, um, uh, yeah, enterprise level, you know, reps insurance, yeah, it's never been really available at, the, at the, the lower middle market range. And so when I learned about your product, I got so excited because it is a must. I am going to be requiring it on all my transactions. Why? Because, yes, I have, you know, insurance and liability insurance and all that kind of stuff, but I'm at risk. Mm-hmm. My sellers are at risk. And so why, why wouldn't we protect ourselves? I have car insurance. I have life insurance. I have home insurance. I have motorcycle insurance. Why wouldn't I insure my livelihood? And why wouldn't I ensure that my sellers are protecting um, the biggest, which is even bigger than their home, usually the biggest transaction of their life. So I am a big advocate of insurance. And I love, um, I love the fact that we can insure a deal where for 10 grand, uh, you know, especially if we've got a deal that's maybe, um, which was very common, we'll have a deal that's that's on the fence because 
through due diligence, you know, the, 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 the prospective buyer may have found something, oh, I don't know about this. And what if that happens? And what if that happens? And you know, I don't know, maybe I'm going to short you, you know, I'm going to negotiate down and, and, you know, let's, let's reserve a hundred grand or 200 grand yeah. or something. That's a big chunk of money. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's talk about this. If we can insure that liability and if it actually happens, you'll get paid out. And on the sellers, the seller side, you know, it might be, 10 grand to make a $10,000 insurance policy to, 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 to exclude a $200,000 reserve or deduction that, that math's a no brainer. So I'm really excited about that type of product becoming available to lower than market. Yeah, we're very excited. It's called transaction private and uh, transaction liability, private enterprise, TLPE. TLPE. Okay. What it is, is that unique is that it's a sell side policy. So the policy holder is a seller, not the buyer. Because of this, the seller, the seller needs to, to provide some information to the underwriters through an application and their financials, and they're going to get a quote for up to $10 million of the enterprise value. We can deals up to $20, $20 million are eligible. Uh, there are certain classes that aren't eligible, but in most small businesses, this is the area. And what's nice is I've had all these experiences where a SaaS company or you know, seven, eight million dollar owner founder uh, firm is getting bought by a very large strategic and you know big box company or something like that and the strategic is not going to get rep on warranty they're not going to expend the the cost even right. if the seller offers to pay the expenses themselves the buyer's like you know we're not putting it up because we don't want to share our diligence with underwriting well right. the elegant part for TLPE is we're going to insure the seller we're going to make sure that the seller is protected and they don't require the buyer's uh, approval. They can just go ahead and get the protection there. And oftentimes what we see is it's beginning to unstick deals. And as we want to get the word out, you know, about um, uh, Westbound Road and the services you have, there's also get the word out about this is this was something that has not been available until just the last year. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to do it and work with people like you who, you're representing a lot of sellers. This is a real good way for them to be best positioned to move forward, reduce reduce risk. And hey, you know they, they could also negotiate that deduct or the, the, the withhold from the buyer down to match the deductible policy. So right. it works out. It works out very well. Now, yeah, I, I love it. I'm really yeah. excited about it. Well, 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 that's that's why we're talking out here today, and I really, really appreciate this. Now. As we go forward, you know, we're, we're midway through 2022. What trends are you seeing uh, going forward? You and I, just before the show, we're talking about how business is up. But, you know, what do you see down the road, either macro or, you know, uh, for Westbound Road specific? Man, I wish I had a crystal ball. I'll tell you, you know, we had a really, really good 2020 even with COVID and everything else, because a lot of people were like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. And so obviously that was a, a great M&A year. 2021 was a record year globally. Yes. I mean, everybody is, just, you know, it was just insane. Um, you know, more, more M&A transactions than, than ever before. 2022 was really interesting on New Year's Day of 2022, which was a Saturday yeah. holiday. Everybody's supposed to be off. My phone and my email started just going crazy. It was like everybody made a New Year's resolution to buy a business. I don't know. It was weird. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, this is a weird anomaly. The next day, which was a Sunday, my phone and my emails were still going on. I was like, what is happening? It has not slowed down yeah. since then. And I'm like, 21 was a record year. How's 22 going to look? Now, obviously, 
you know, at the time of this recording, we're in June of 22. There's a lot that has changed since New Year's Day. You know, we got the the Russia Ukraine thing, inflation's going through the roof, gas prices are ridiculous. Um, you know, interest rates are going up. There's a whole lot of uncertainty, there's a whole lot unknown. But here's what what I know. There are tens of millions of businesses in the world and at any given time a certain number of them are eligible to be sold. At the same time there are tens of millions of potential buyers in the world who want to acquire a business and have that security and peace of mind and the entrepreneurial spirit. And so that's not going to change. Businesses were always going to be bought and sold, no matter whether it's up or down. Now, is it going to be tougher? Yes, it's going to be tougher. Money's going to get tighter with interest rates going up. You know, leverage, leverage buyouts are going to be tougher to do. Lots of things are going to be different. Do I see the market changing drastically? Yes. But do I see the the underlying business that we're in, which is buyers selling businesses and, and or, or, or owners selling businesses and buyers acquiring, but that's not going to change. Yeah. It's really not. You, it's always you're and, and we have the the baby boomer generation is is you know the, the largest segment of business owners and they're all retiring and so the, they're selling. So it's a weird market. Um, it's been a fun market for the last couple of years, right? Like yes. it's it's been it's been a party. Um, the party's about to end, but not the opportunities for success because the best deals are bought in a down market and the mm-hmm. smart money is investing in a down market and not not pulling back. And so I'm looking forward to actually some some weeding out of the people who are just kind of you know along mm-hmm. for the ride and leaving room for the people who are really committed to helping um, buyers and sellers of businesses accomplish their goals. Well, I think also down in the micro market too, because there's just a vast number of opportunities there. And you've got a lot of buyers who they're they're bypassing careers working for somebody else to own their own shop. So you have that whole search funder and independent sponsor, all these other prospective buyers in this universe. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. I it's funny, I literally have search funder on my second oh. <laughs> uh, we we actually were pretty active in search funder. Um yeah. so um yeah, it, we're seeing a big trend in that with with especially with with younger buyers and they like I don't why would I have a job? I'll just if I I'll either start a business or they're smart enough to know up front, I'll just buy a business. I'll buy the cash flow. Yeah. And and with the financing programs and things like that that are available and I mean we have we have over 200 now I think we're up to 240 something different ways we can uh, help somebody fund a deal. And so wow. we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. If you want to buy a business, we'll help you buy a business. So wow. Marty Fonke from Westbound Road. How can our audience members find you? Uh, well, so if you have the spelling of my name on the, uh, you know, connected to this blog, I'm the only Marty Funk in the entire world. I'm, I can't hide. Easy um, to find on LinkedIn, yes. Yes, so link, LinkedIn uh, is a great place to find me. My my, uh, my website is westboundroad.com, W-E-S-T-B-O-U-N-D-R-O-A-D.com, westboundroad.com. There's a contact form. It's the best way to reach me. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm very proud of the fact that I have, I think now 71 or 72 recommendations not which are which are testam, customer testimonials of, wow. of people yeah. who've worked with me and publicly said you know nice things about about me and i'm very proud of the fact that i'm the only marty funky in the world is a very unique name i can't hide you google me you'll find thousands of results not a single one of them will be negative and i'm very proud of that marty funky from westbound road llc 
Thanks very much for being with us today. Patrick, thanks for having me. I hope I was uh, able to add some value to your listeners. 